to do, I want us to talk about um, your relationship to now, your relationship to today. And I want to go to the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and I want us to try to come together and kind of sit in his teaching and sit in his words and, and see if we can begin to make sense of our days. So much of our lives, whether we're aware of it or not, these are preliminary comments and don't count against my time. But the point is, um, so much of our lives is inundated by our surrounding, our setting, and our culture. Whether we're aware of it or not, recently I was talking to a friend only to discover that the rise of organized sports for children in this country is almost uh, collectively agreed upon that it was the early 80s when the concept that children in the United States of America would almost all play organized sports. That is a new construct. I was driving here seeing a Little League baseball diamond. If you saw it over here in Beverly Hills, and I saw it, and I see dads and moms walking in with their little kids, and they got Chicago Cub jerseys on, and they got the pants and the stirrups and the gear. That's like a new thing, but we don't, we're not aware of that. We think that all kids just play organized sports. That is just one example of, as a result, Americans, if I can speak just for a moment, not that we're all Americans or assuming that we're all Americans, but by definition, we are raised at a very young age to be competitive. We are raised at a very young age to be driven. We are raised at a very young age with talking points in our culture. All of our athletes, all of the movie creators, all of the heroes in our culture, they all do the same kind of interview. They all do the same kind of reflective work. They all talk about working hard. They all talk about putting in the time. They all talk about going to college. They all talk about being the best. Everyone wants to be the goat. You're so goaded, bro. I don't, I, what are we talking about? Greatest of all time, bro. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody wants to be the goat. And so, I want us for a moment, and I don't mean to be un-American, but I do mean to put center stage tonight the ways, mindset, mentality, and teachings of Jesus. Now, you've got to prepare yourself, and I've got to prepare ourselves, because tonight we're going to weave our way into a relationship with the text. We're going to weave our, our way into a relationship with the words of Jesus, and they may very well contradict your pervasive cultural concepts, and you've got to prepare for that. And I don't mean to be obtrusive, I don't mean to be rude or crude or in your face, but the relationship we have with our days, the relationship we have with our calendar, the relationship we have with our planning and our plotting and our preparing and our controlling and our dictating and our determining and our focus and our passion and our goal setting and our mentality and our path and our work ethic and I'm on the grind and I'm a aren't necessarily the ways of Jesus. So, and I wonder if, like, here's what every preacher can do right now. Like, if you're a preacher or you want to be a preacher or you're thinking about being a preacher or you wish you knew of a good preacher, um, what, what, what you can do now is walk on stage and say, I'm going to preach on anxiety, and everybody in the room will be like, I'm done. Right, like, everybody's in on that topic. There's not anybody alive in 2022 that's like, oh, a sermon on anxiety, ooh, it doesn't relate, right? We're all in the same movement. Now, we have to agree that much of our mentality and perspective is shaped by our surrounding and the pervasive cultural trends and the pervasive thoughts and ideologies of the day. Keep in mind, young American kids were not always as competitive as they are now because organized sports for children 
wasn't even a concept that long ago. These are new constructs that are impacting our mentality and our approach. Some of you, all of you, probably struggle sometimes when you don't have something to do in a given day. And that might literally be not actually the state of your spiritual condition, the state of your mentality. That actually literally could be something that you've just picked up and adopted because of the surroundings and environment you're in. Now, furthermore, we're in Los Angeles. Let's wrap our arms around where we are, how we got here, and why we're here. Most people come to this city with a big, big dream. They come to this city because they're typically driven. They come to this city because you're particularly producers, you're creators. I don't mean producers as like you produce films. I mean you are driven to produce something with your life. You wanna make a difference. They say that LA is a collection of all the most popular kids from high school. <laughs> That's what they say. And all the popular kids come here, and I tend to agree. But the point is, like Judah, relax with this. Wear a mint green suit, and now you're the most popular. All right. Do you, um, do you ever misplace stuff? I lose stuff a lot, and I don't need like any encouragement from my family or my wife, but like, um, so three days ago, I have an Uber pickup at 5 a.m. at a hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and if, if you can do the math, 5 a.m. is 2 a.m. our time, okay? So I got a 2 a.m. pickup, and I realized that I'm so bad at this, and I had my golf clubs with me because I was golfing, because I understand what's most important in life, and that's leisure. So, so I wrote on the pad next to my bed, don't forget your clubs. Okay, that's where I'm at. I'm 43, writing myself notes that I'm gonna wake up in four hours, and if there's not a note, I'm gonna forget. Don't forget your clubs. I wake up, I see the note, I'm proud of myself. I'm like, let's go, bro. You're a grown man writing yourself notes, bam. Call down to the hotel because they don't want the clubs in the room. I was like, man, do you mind bringing my clubs out? No problem, sir. I man, thank you so much. I think to myself, I'm gonna give that man a tip. Helping me with my golf clubs means the world. Uber comes right on time. The problem with Uber now, stresses me out, is they can rate you, they can cancel you, they can leave you, they can walk away and tell everybody in Uberland they're not worth picking up. You notice that? So you gotta be on your game when you call an Uber. This is not a game, it's not a joke, right? This person is judging you, evaluating you, it is ridiculous. So now I'm panicked because he's here at 5 a.m. So I'm like, I gotta go. So he says, I'm here, sir. I said, I'll be right down, I'll be right down, I'll be right down. So I get down about 5.05, I'm already five minutes late. My golf clubs are there. I tell this young man working at the hotel, man, thank you so much for the golf clubs, I appreciate it. I open up my golf bag, make sure everything is in order, pack my other bag in there, zip it up, I'm getting ready. And I turned to the man, I said, man, can I give you a tip? I said, can I, can I, can I swipe a credit card to give you a tip? And this is, this is my issue right now, by the way. We need to be able to tip with credit cards. That's just the way it is. I don't carry cash. I don't have cash. What am I, 74? I don't have cash, right? I haven't had cash since like 2004. I don't have cash. Chelsea won't let me have cash, right? So all I got is credit cards. He's like, man, you can't. I said, really? I said, man. He said, but you can, I got, I got Venmo. I was like, oh, bro, I got Venmo? Absolutely. I said, let me get my phone. So I reach into my backpack. I'm like, I got my 
Hey, if I'm a fall, hold on a second, man, my bad. Okay, now five minutes has turned into 10. Now it's 510. I'm looking at the Uber man like, don't rate me. Don't leave me. Don't cancel me. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's like, you're good. I'm like, you promise? Okay. So now it's 510. Now it's 515. Now it's 520. And I got to get to the airport. And now I'm panicked a little bit. So much so, one of the other employees of the, ho- of the hospital, <laughs> the hotel, <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with drama, you know, turn my hotel into a hospital, you know. <laughs> oh, man, when you're caught exaggerating on stage. All right, so he says, sir, you, 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 can, you can relax. You're going to be okay. I go, man, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. I said, man, I, 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 I'm, I, I don't know where my phone is. He said, sir, I'll take you back up to your room. You can check your room. And now I'm flustered. I'm cussing under my breath for sure, right? And I'm not going to say what cuss words I use. That's between me and the Lord. So he takes me up to the room, and I'm like, God, I'm literally having this moment, and this is what I do with God. I'm like, God, seriously, 20 minutes? I got up early. I just, I'm tired. This is, this is a lot, Lord. This is, I mean, you help me. Where is this phone? I, this is ridiculous. I get upstairs, no word of a lie. Next to the bed, there's a note. It says, don't forget your clubs. P.S., you're handsome. I wrote that in there. I'm going to get into it. And i kid, kidding. I didn't put that part. I look all over the room, I can't find my phone. And I go over to that dumb note, and I pick up the note, and under the note (laughs) is my cell phone. I go downstairs, I go, man, I found my phone, I I Venmo him a lot of money. And I told him I was a pastor. I wanted to blow him away, you know? (laughs) Like, I'm on a mission to single-handedly prove Christians are generous, you know, good luck. But... go downstairs, I give him the Venmo, and I get in the car, and I'm like, oh, man, that was crazy. And then it dawns on me. You know what's wild about God? I mean wild. Can you imagine the headache of leaving your cell phone in Atlanta when you live in L.A.? And yet, and yet, God was gracious. And I know this sounds funny, but I'm sitting in this, in this Uber, and I get a little nudge from God like, I got you, man. And I was like, Oh, listen, if, if I had cash on me to tip that man, my phone right now would still be in Atlanta, and my wife would be like, you have a problem. And I know this sounds silly, and this may not resonate with you, but I have my own relationship with God. He nudged me and said, I'm just making sure you got your phone. And I, man, for 15 minutes, I was cussing. God, where is my phone? This is so frustrating. And the whole time, God's like, you have to Venmo this guy so that I help you remember. And it dawned on me again. It's where this whole sermon came from. God wants to partner with you today. Today. And I want to talk to you about the teachings, the most pervasive teachings of Jesus on the subject of your day today is in Matthew chapter 6. And you may be surprised to discover what the teachings of Jesus entail about your day. Now, prepare yourself because a lot of people will be like, oh, he got this at a yoga class. No, yoga got this from Jesus. Okay, all you yogis, you stealing stuff from Jesus. Okay, this idea of being present, this idea of being here, that, that originated with God. I'm going to read this passage to you. Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse 25, Jesus says, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. Now, you're going to discover in this passage, five times Jesus will tell us not to worry. Five times. 
Anytime in basically one setting, one sitting, one set of phrases, five times a topic comes up, evidently it's paramount, evidently it's primary, and am I the only person who reads this book sometimes and thinks to myself, was it real hard 2,000 years ago? With no technology, I think to myself, man, that'd be nice. I watch like old films sometimes just to be like, and when they were done filming, they just went to a restaurant. Nobody could bother them there. Remember when you couldn't get, I was say remember, but none of you remember. There was a time you couldn't get a call till you got home. Right? You got mail was a thing. You got mail. No way! One email in a whole day. I'm popular. Right? Like that was a thing. Chelsea and I first connected on email. That's what we, I mean, we had known each other our whole life, but I saw her at an event and she was like all about me. And then she started emailing me a little too much. And I was like, yo, girl. No, I'm kidding. It was the opposite. But the point is, the point is, we, let's make sure I had the cap on. We, emails were like one at a time. I talked to somebody yesterday. They said, I get 500 emails a day. I was like, what in, what are we doing? And you know, you know, you know when you talk to people, they're like, yeah, yeah, I do like 500 emails a day. And that's like a thing now. Now we're like flexing on each other. Yo, how many emails you do a day? 50? I'm like 150, easy. I'm like, what are we, what are we competing for? He says, this is why I tell you never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Yes, it is, Jesus. Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life. One translation says, can you get any taller? Wish I was a baller. Wish I had a girl I could call her. Okay, verse 28. Why would you worry about your clothes? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work, toil, worry, and yet not even Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, was ever in such splendor or beauty, even more than any of these. If God has closed the meadow with the hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide you the clothes you need even though you live with such little faith? So then forsake your worries. Forsake your worries. What we're about to dive into, here's what I love about Jesus. When he says to get rid of something or forsake something, he's about to follow it up with basically how. He says, so forsake your worry. Who, I'd like to forsake my worry tonight. That'd be nice. Can you imagine somebody walking up to you just out of the blue? Hey, forsake your worry. You'd be like, who do you think you are? I got a long-standing relationship with my worries. I can't just break up. It takes a long time. You need to get rid of your worries. Why would you say, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Who am I going to marry? When am I going to have sex? Like, Judah, that's not in the text. Yeah, but it's what you think. This is what people who don't know God, this is their, they're preoccupied. They chase after these things. Doesn't your heavenly father already know you require these things and what your body requires? So above all, 
above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things will be given to you in abundance. And then here's our verse. Here is, in my estimation, probably the most potent teaching of Jesus ever on the subject of being present and today. Listen closely. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Wow. So I don't want you into tomorrow. I want you in today. I want you in today. I was texting a friend backstage before I came on, and she's been a real mentor to Chelsea and I and someone we really look up to, and, and she's not in the, I just was let, letting her know she's part-time in LA, and I was letting her know, hey, we're here tonight. She's like, I'm, I'm out of town, and she said, you know, I said, are you okay? How you doing? Chelsea and I have been thinking about you, and she says, I'm just trying to do it one day at a time. I said, no way. That's what I'm about to preach on. She's like, of course you are, and it was a sign, but here is this incredible woman who's built a wonderful business, and she's learned in her 50s now, I just got to take it a day at a time. Somebody, some of you want to be great. Jesus just wants you to be great today. Some of you want to be married 22 years. Jesus just wants to help you be married today. Some of you want to have kids. Jesus just wants you to be content today. We're going to discover that in the realm and the thinking and mentality of Jesus, he seems to never give us energy, power, or strength for tomorrow, only for today. There is nowhere in my study where I have found where God says, now he'll tell you he's already in tomorrow. He'll tell you much about how he rules tomorrow. He'll tell you much about how he covers yesterday. But he will make it very plain that he is always, forever, available and present now. God is preoccupied with now. Are you? Am I? Or is much of our worry and our anxiety and our unsettledness and our fearfulness wringing our hands, getting all worked up, and it's got nothing to do oftentimes with what is happening today, we get all wound up and caught up about what may happen tomorrow. We have whole entities, organizations, programs, and efforts that people are doing at the, at, at the thought of what may happen tomorrow. I, I want you to know today that God put on skin and bone, moved into the neighborhood, and told everybody, today's enough. Today's enough. Today's enough. And I want to say this. If you're in pain or you're in pleasure today, today's enough. Some of you can't enjoy the wonderful day because you can predict or project there's going to be some painful days. Some of you can't endure the painful day because you predict and look into the future and feel like maybe there won't be any more beautiful or pleasurable days. And so we lack a fundamental essential of the human experience. It's called, get ready, it's not sexy, endurance. It's called endurance. Thank you, thank you, appreciate that. 
It's called endurance. It ain't sexy. But the older you get, it sure does get sexy. Because you know who you want to date? Not sexy. Not sexy Steve. <laughs> Old steady Eddie. <laughs> who without some gum, that breath is nasty. But old Steady Eddie might need to shave. Old Steady Eddie might need to, you know, get a little, little deodorant under the armpits. And you might think sex, sexy Steve is everything. Ooh, I need me some sexy Steve. Be careful now, because what you will want long term is what lasts and what endures. I want to talk to you about how to endure, but it's a... Um, how should, I, how should I say? It's a, it's a conundrum of sorts because the way to go a long way is focus just today. The way to go a long way is just be here today. Here's what I know about Jesus. He will give you the strength to be who you are today. We're not talking about tomorrow. For when tomorrow comes, it will be today. So here, here's my challenge to you. There are people in here, and you have proclivities you don't want nobody to know about. Welcome to the club. Mine is anger and some other stuff. Having said that, can you use self-control this evening and tonight? Just this evening. Just tonight. Some are like, man, I know. God asked me to stop sleeping with, with, with my girlfriend. Dang, he did, he did. How am I ever going to do that, Judah? That's got to be hard. I told Chelsea, I'm like, baby, I realize once you start having sex and then you do it for 22 years with the same person and you get real good at it together, you know what I mean? 22 years of, the, of sex with the same person, you get good at it. Like, you can do stuff that's just cool, right? <laughs> and it feels great. But I told her, I'm like, if you die and I can't, like, no more sex, I'm about to get married fast. <laughs> and so I want to, oh, we're shocked by that? Everyone's like, oh, that's so bad. Shut up. <laughs> All out here acting like you're like Mother Teresa out here. So listen, once you start having sex and you got to stop having sex, I really mean it. May God help you. But I tell you, he'll help you today. Just today. Just do today. Some of you are like, man, I really want to overcome. We're just going to do today. Now, I know that's what AA teaches. I know that's what your yoga instructor teaches. But I want you to know who originally taught it. His name is Jesus. And God put on skin and bone. Moved into our world, Jesus is the only person who came from heaven to earth, and yet the construct he invented, sun up, sun down, night, day. That was God's idea. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. Why did he do that? For himself, God, night and day means nothing to God. He is the eternal one. In fact, they say in eternity, the scripture reveals there will be no night. There will be no need for sleep. God does not sleep. God does not have a bed. God does not have a pillow. God does not have a down blanket. I feel firm on that one. But God has no need for sleep. And yet, when he wired us and made us, he understood 
that for us to function at our highest capacity, we would need to shut down in a pattern. We would need to get up and then shut down. Wake up and then shut down. He invented this concept, and yet we fight it so often, and we try to build our days together. Am I the only one on Google Calendar who looks at my week sometimes and says, oh no, <laughs> there is no time for golf. Like this is not good. This is a full week. This is overwhelming. Am I the only one who pans out from the week and looks at the month and goes, I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm gonna retire. There is no time for a Netflix show in here. Right, this is, am I the only one that stays up late just to feel like I got margin? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Someone's like, how late were you up? I was up till 2 a.m. because I didn't get home till 11 and I just needed some time by myself. <laughs> it's so funny, Jesus, the eternal one, seems more focused on our day than we are. If I was God and I was from another realm, I'd be like, y'all are so caught up in your days and your calendars. Anybody go to a kindergarten where they had like different colors and like autumn time, it was like autumn. It was like October, November, and it was like orange and it was leaves and it was pumpkins and like your kindergarten teacher was like, it's autumn boys and girls, it's fall or autumn. Look at the pumpkins, look at the leaves. And then here would come December and it was like green and red and somebody like, what world did you live in? The Truman Show? You know, but. We're so preoccupied with calendar. Do you know what is celebrated in our culture? I'm not saying it's essentially wrong. Planning. Whoever's the best planner is the most noble. We, we, we mock people who are like, I don't, I don't really plan. I just kind of wing it. We're like, oh, are you from Montana? Do you hike a lot and climb cliffs and wear Patagonia? Like, all right, man. And eat granola bars and dehydrated fruit? Cool, bro. For the rest of us? We're on the grind. <laughs> Yo, I got a hard out. You're like coffee with your friends talking about a hard out. I got a hard out in 30 minutes, man. I got to roll. Wow. You're super important. Yeah. Yeah, I packed my days pretty full. Super cool. I know. I know. And you're laughing. And I'm coming up with this stuff because it's all true. That's where we're at. And then we are the weirdest creatures of all because we're all like, we're all like, we get done with our day after telling everyone how many emails we do and how many appointments we had and how many things we went to. And then we get tired and we're with our closest friends and we're like, I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm just doing so much. And your friends, if they're like my friends, are like, I think, I think this was your idea. I love the friend, there's always one friend who's like, then quit. And you're like, that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for, yes you do, you work so hard, you are amazing, you're incredible. You're the hardest working friend I've ever had. You're incredible and you probably make so much more money than me, so it's so worth it. And honestly, I wish I could work as hard as you work. And you'd be like, oh really, okay, all right. <laughs> Instead, it's the one friend, then quit bro, who cares? And you're like, I can't do that. I'm super important. <laughs> fill our days, fill our calendars, and at the end of most of them, tell everybody how anxious and overwhelmed and worked up and exhausted and got too much going on. 
What, what are we going to do? Our biggest heroes seem to be the busiest people, and we adore them. Yeah, that's the goal. No time to eat. You just live on Quest bars and diet sodas and aspartame. Yeah. Look healthy, but not be. What are you? I'm a doer. And then we come to spaces like this, and it's hard to calm down. It's hard to dial it back. It's hard to listen. It's hard to be a preacher these days because you got to keep people's attention because we're so hardwired now in our culture to do, 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 plan, 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 prepare, prepare, prepare. One of the most amazing scriptures to me, and I talk about this a lot, but I'm going to bring it center stage here again, is this old proverb. I believe it is. Man plans his whole way. Meanwhile, God directs his step. And there it is. We are, this is, this is to be human. You ready for this one? What do you want to be when you grow up, little buddy? I want to be an astronaut and also play in the NBA. Well, you can do it, buddy. I know your parents are super short and nobody's athletic, but here in our country, we believe that if you work super hard, you can fly to the moon and play basketball at the same time. You know why? Because we live in the United States of America. I know you're going to be five, six at best, but you'll be the best little point guard the NBA's ever seen. Love you guys. Thanks for coming. You know, like, are we going to keep doing this? We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep telling everybody, make, make huge plans. That's the goal of life. Huge plans. Meanwhile, the God who fills the universe, he lives in a realm that there is no time. He invades our space, this little ball he made, and he says, hey guys, I kind of hardwired you just to be here now. And what I'm going to do, because I'm a relational being, not a professional being, I'm not a career coach, I'm a savior and a superhero. What I'm going to do is help you with your next step. What? I'd like, I'm going to show you what I want you to do next. I don't, no, don't tell me what you're going to do. Like the next step. Yeah, like, like today, what we're going to do today. Oh, I, today's just another Thursday. Today's just Monday. Don't do that. Ugh, it's just a Monday. I want to know what am I going to do in the early 2030s? And will I be, how should I say, gorgeous? <laughs> and we are consumed with career. We're consumed with, can you imagine that little buddy, that little kid? What do you want to do, do when you grow up? Well, I want to have a good day at school today, and I got a baseball game later, and I'm hoping I get a hit. In America, we'd be like, oh, that kid's got to get some dreams. Meanwhile, Jesus is like, that's what I want to help you do. Just do today. But that's not sexy, is it? That doesn't sell. That's not how we write books. Yeah, I just kind of, God helps me today. Hey, man, what's been going on in your life? Well, I had a really good day today. This Monday's been a good day. Got up and had a good coffee and 
good chat with Chelsea. That was super cool. And met with a couple friends and watched a movie. And it was a good day. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, but I mean, like, what's been going on? You know, like big stuff. We did this to ourselves. You know that, right? God's into dreams. But can I remind you what he said he's going to do with your dreams? He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or even imagine. Which is another, it's a really super cool way of God saying, I'm going to implode your dreams. (laughs) I'm old enough to tell you what that scripture means. It doesn't mean he's going to make your dream better than your dream. It means he has other ideas, and it might be completely counterproductive to your dream. (laughs) And that's what he means by exceedingly abundantly above all. He's like, oh, you want to do this? I'm going to move you clear across the country, and you're never going to do that. (laughs) Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. I'm in Connecticut, and I thought I'd live in San Diego. You know, like... What's the next step? I want to talk to you about a God who cares about your evening tonight. Cares about your cell phone under a dumb little note you wrote yourself. And we're busy down at the front of the hotel, cussing under our breath. God, what, it's 20 minutes late. What's going on? Well, Judah, I was just kind of helping you remember your phone so when you get home, your wife doesn't be mad at you. That's the nicest way I could say that. <laughs> so I want to make a couple observations just before we're done tonight. A couple of things just b- b- before we kind of land the plane. Um, insert a birds and flowers. Huh. And again, you thought your yoga instructor was an original. Uh, Jesus seemed to promote taking your shoes off and feeling the grass. Jesus promoted stopping and going, hummingbird, look at that thing hover. Ooh, it's really pretty when the lights hit it. And some of you think like, that's just for earthy people. Clearly Judah's from the Northwest. We can hear it in his tone. The flowers, the fields, the mountains, the climbing, the clay, you know, but (laughs) clay is such a good term (laughs) for a Northwest guy, but But Jesus is like, have you checked out the birds? Have you looked at the the flowers? Because I want you to. But that's that's not really American. We don't like, what'd you do today? (sighs) I did a lot of bird watching today. Oh, but I mean like for your career, I did a lot of bird watching today. No, I mean like, like, what'd you do to like produce today? Because if you're not growing every day, you're not growing. Oh, growth is like, it's like the new trend. You have to grow every day. You have to be on the growth path every day. I read a book every day. Perfect. I definitely don't, and I never want to, ever. (laughs) That sounds like hell on earth. A book report every day? Right? But that's cool that that motivates you, but we think that, in your relationship with God that he's like your professor at college or your coach in football, and you think he's like, did you read something today? Did you exercise your mind? Because if you didn't, you're getting dumber. <laughs> you're like, okay, I need to, I need to read, I need to like, 
Oh, so I'm the only one? I'm the only one that when my family or friends come over and I'm laying on the couch, I'm like, I'm just taking a break, you know, full day, full day. I know it's a rerun of Saved by the Bell. I just, it was on. I just flipping through the channels. I'm just hanging. I'm gonna go upstairs and pray. You know, like, you feel guilty almost. Isn't it interesting that in the context of worry and anxiety, Jesus talks about our relationship with the day. And I would like to say that there are many people in this room, and one of the reasons anxiety and fear might be intensifying in your life is because you are trying to live multiple days at once, and you can't. You're trying to live May, and May may never come. Oh, Judah, that's being weird. That's being honest. It's being honest. You are worked up about things that A, may never happen, and B, you may not even be there for them to happen to you. You have now. Are you here? Are you here? Are you somewhere five, 10 years ago? Are you somewhere five, 10 days ago? Are you somewhere five days from now? Or are you here? Here's what I love about God. He's so cool. He's like, I'm gonna teach you about today. And he says, um, this, it's not the most encouraging teaching on today. You notice he's like, he's like, listen, today's got a ton of trouble. So I just kind of focus on today because tomorrow's going to have trouble too. But I love this. He's like, tomorrow will take care of itself. Which is another way of saying like, guys, that's what I do. I'm in the future. I'm in the past. And I'm in the present. You can't be. You won't be. And if you try to be, you're going to be worried worried, worried. I was born on October 9th, 1978. Some of you have never heard this before. And that was my grandfather's birthday. And so my dad named me Judah Elwood Smith. My grandfather's name was Elwood. He was a Nazarene preacher starting in the 1950s. He slept with every secretary he ever had. He was immoral at a profound level. And I was like, really, dad? Really? I want to name you after grandfather. Why? Now I'm a preacher, and I'm like, every day of my life, I got to be reminded that I'm born on a man's birthday who I don't want to be like that. Am I tempted to at times? Absolutely, but I, that's not who I want to be, right? So how am I going to? And you know how I've learned even to be a different kind of Elwood? Just today. I can honor my wife today. I can honor my wife with my eyes and my thoughts today. I can't honor my wife a whole week right now. I can't be married 22 years, but I can be married today. I can be married today. If I told you whatever the challenge is in front of you, if I asked you, can you do it for the 12 hours you're awake? Something like, I'm up 18, I'm an achiever. Okay, we get it, all right? <laughs> can you do it? Because I want to remind you, in relationship to you, God is mostly here today, not yesterday or tomorrow. And I say mostly because he is in your yesterday and your tomorrow, but he wants to be mostly here with you today. One translation says, and I'm coming to a close, it says, today is enough. And I was like, I don't say, today is enough? 
Not in this culture. Today's not enough. What are you doing today? Ah, I don't know. It's just one of those days, whatever. What are you going to do? What are your future plans? Oh, thank you for asking. We're going to go to Switzerland. And then we're going to go to the Maldives, the Maldives. Yeah, I'm going to build a big business. Super cool. What are you doing today? Who cares about today? What's today? Today's an escalator to my future. That's all. Not to God. Ah, it's just another day. Just going to get through the day. Do you know that Jesus didn't move like that, didn't live like that, didn't walk like that, and still doesn't? Today's a gift. Today's sheer gift. The old saints, some of you know what I'm talking about. The old saints used to get together in church and talk about, God woke me up this morning in my right mind, and I'm going to go ahead and give him praise for that. God woke me up this morning and gave me another Wednesday. Another, I don't get very many Wednesdays, but I got one today. Bible says God will teach you to number your days. That is to make every day precious, because it is. But if you're like me, on the painful days, I just want to get through. On the pleasurable days, I start to get unnerved and uneasy because what if something bad happens? I was talking to Bishop Jakes on the phone the other day. I know, it felt right to say it and it felt good to say it. <laughs> and I meant to say it. And I'm not gonna pick up the name I dropped because I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> but I was talking to one of my heroes, Bishop Jakes. It's not a big deal on the phone. I have his number. And he, you know, if you know Bishop Jace, he's like, you know, Judah, when I'm, I'm driving right now, we're talking and I'm driving. And I'm just like, keep talking. And I'm like, perfect, thanks for calling, Bishop. You know, that's how I feel like I sound when it's like Bishop Jakes. He's like, you know what I've learned the older I get? I drive more cautiously. I mean, we are just talking about driving and I'm like, Where do, where's the altar? <laughs> like, <laughs> And when I talk to him, my voice always goes up. Like, literally, he calls. He's like, hello. And I go, hey, Bishop. <laughs> and I'm like, be cool, be cool, be cool. And I'm like, totally, I love driving. Like, I don't, but I panic and I say that. And he's like, the older you get, the more you realize we can die out here. So I, you know, the older you get, you drive cautiously. I mean... Even the way he talks about driving cautiously is just moving me. You know, I'm like in tears about cautious driving. But come on, some people up in here who are a little bit older. Older you get, the more you realize there's so many variables. It's freaking me out. It's freaking me out. I'm driving by that same baseball time. It said danger, foul ball area. And I'm like, a 14-year-old didn't put up danger, foul ball area. That was a 60-year-old man who runs the Little League system in Beverly Hills. And he knows at 60, man, some dumb people get hit by these balls. We're going to put up a sign right here. There's not one little leaguer that walks by and says, Dad, be careful. This is the foul ball area. But people like me driving to church go, danger, foul ball area. Like, that's good to remember. I'm going to remember that. Because even on the good days, your mind wanders and wonders, will it stay good? Will it be good tomorrow? Maybe not. So we build constructs like, if I'm good, I'll have a good day. That's not true. 
But we keep telling ourselves, like, bad things don't happen to good people, just like good things don't happen to bad people. And yet you know and I know that's a fact of the universe we live in. But we tell ourselves, if I'm good today, I can guarantee my tomorrow. And Jesus never said that. In fact, he said, tomorrow? Tomorrow might be tough. Just focus on today. Wait, what? Today is enough. Is today enough for you? Is today enough for me? Is today enough? Well, like, I mean, what do you mean, Judah? I mean, like, is it sufficient for you? Is it enough for you? Or have you and I, this is so challenging me. Just hear me right now. I'm talking to myself. Today sometimes isn't enough for me. I'm just trying to get through to the day I've got scheduled for golf. Today's just a bridge. Today's just an escalator. Today's just an elevator. Today's just a connection. It's just today. Am I the only one that belittles a lot of days? Kind of treats the day like a nuisance? It's a travel day. It's a plane day. Just got to get on the plane. It's just a travel day. And yet God in his mystery and his magnificence is like, but I'd like to be in step with you today. And this is why I think God of the whole earth and the universe is like, I want to focus on the next step because by definition, he is a relational being primarily. So he wants to take a step with us, just like Peter walking on the water. That's the picture of life. That's the picture of life. Keep your eyes on Jesus and just take the next step. Just, just, just the next step. But again, we don't even know how to celebrate that in our culture. Baby steps, little steps. I just took a step today. But I want to build a community that knows how to honor the gift of today. I want to build a community that knows how to celebrate the rare treasure that this Wednesday really is. That the moment you have is a miracle that the fact you're here is outrageous. The fact that you made it, the fact that you're still breathing, the fact that you're still cognizant, the fact that you're here is a miracle. Someday we're gonna pass into another realm, the realm that is eternal, the realm that made this realm, the realm that's beyond this realm, the realm that's far more important than this realm. This is temporary, that's eternal. We will arrive there only to realize that oftentimes what we valued here is of no value there. And I think there will be a sensation briefly how oftentimes we were preoccupied with things that didn't actually quite literally even matter. But down here, we continue to exchange trophies, accolades, and awards for things that oftentimes, and by the way, if you want to give me an award or an accolade, I'll take it. But just saying how many things we celebrate here that there, Jesus, he celebrates your next step. So I guess I wanted to tell people tonight, if you took a step today, you're living in your destiny. 
The problem with the word destiny is it speaks of destination. It's a derivative. It's not a good word. Because there is no destination. There's just the next step today. What's your step today? Some of you think one little phone call telling, encouraging a friend doesn't matter. But I got news for you. That one little encouraging phone call will make the next one easier and the next one easier. Some of you are so negative. And so, and so mean to yourself, and you think one day of being positive to myself is not going to make a difference because I'm 22 years old, and my dad was negative, my mom was negative, my friends are negative, my coworkers are negative, and my boss is negative, and so I'm going to be negative, and I'm going to live a negative life. And what you have underestimated is that on this Wednesday evening, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to inspire you to encourage yourself and encourage others, you'll be far likely to do it tomorrow if you wake up on Thursday. How about encourage yourself just tonight? Just tonight. Just tonight. Just encourage yourself tonight. Is, is today enough? See, when you ask people, what are you doing with your life? And if they only said, well, I'm just focused on the day, just today. I've learned over time that that's talk for people who are addicts. Which means in our culture, you have to have extreme circumstances to live day by day. That's what we've relegated it to. Only the addicted few who've been to therapy should do the day-to-day -day thing. For the rest of us, we fill our calendars packed jam full because we're achievers and we're, we're elite and we're amazing. But then there's these people who, you know, have struggled and so they have to live one day at a time. See what we've done? And we're wondering, why am I so fearful, worked up and anxious and worried? Jesus simply suggests that you live today. Today. Is today enough for you? And I end with this. Verse 34 is amazing, right? It's this idea of like, just focus on what's, let's read it again. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, refuse to worry about tomorrow. I'm trying to. But deal with each challenge that comes your way, one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time, tomorrow will take care of itself. Now, if you're like me, I read that verse and I go, super cool, super amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. And then you get in your car after hearing this wonderful sermon. And, shut up. And <laughs> if you're like me, you have this little thought in the back of your head. But how do we do that? Because I might do it tomorrow, but if tomorrow gets, you know, kind of stressful, I'll just go right back into where I was. Verse 34 is made possible by verse 33, and this is where we're going to end. Matthew 6, 33 is one of the famous verses amongst evangelicals and Christians today in this country. It's probably one of the top tattooed verses on Christians' bodies. Uh, by the way, not only did like sports starts for kids in the 80s, but like that, that same time, if you were tattooed in a Christian, you weren't a Christian. But just so you know, like, this is how trends change. Now, like, I'm tatted. I don't want to get into it. I'm tatted. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. I got a tattoo. It was the worst. I hated it. And it's the last one I'm going to get. But I got it on my leg because I'm a rookie at tattoos. <laughs> so every time I wear shorts, I'm like, oh. But I love tattoos. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. That used to be, like, completely unacceptable in church. This is how fickle and silly we are. And we do this 
even again with our planning and our plotting. Preachers like me preach in their churches that you need to plan, set goals, and prepare. I want you to know that's not really a big part of Jesus' teaching at all. That's American. It's awesome. I recommend it. Somebody like, planning has changed my life. That's super cool. It's probably not helped you in the anxiety department because we pile days on upon each other and we try to live multiple days in one, a year in one. God just says, I want you to work with today. Look at verse 33, Matthew 6, 33. Ready? Listen to this and we're done. Well, kind of close. Above all, I wonder how important this verse is. Above all, I wonder if this is one of those verses we should pay attention. Above all, I wonder if these are one of those verses where Jesus is really trying to kind of bottom line it. Above all, like above how much? All, like top of the list of what? All, like what's the number one thing? All, above all, constantly. The word chase there means fill your day, fill your thoughts with the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. And all these less important things will be given to you in abundance. Above all, don't pre, above all, don't plan it. Above all, not Google Calendar, above all, not your, above all, I want you to preoccupy yourself with the idea of the king and his domain. There's a king in town. There's a king in this realm. He has not been voted in. He has not gotten in because of his pedigree or his bloodline. He is God. He is omnipotent by definition, which means all-powerful. He is omnipresent by definition, which means he is everywhere at all times all at once. He is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He has knowledge of all of us and even the hairs of our head. They say blonde people have 150,000 hairs. They say dark-haired people have 120,000 hairs. They say redheads have 90,000 hairs. Why do I know this? I have no idea. But he knows all the hairs on your head. Can you imagine if I walked up to you and said, I've counted you have 126,000 hairs. You'd be like, that guy has a problem and he's a stalker. Good news, God evidently is a stalker in the best kind of way. He's counting your hair. God is God, he's, he's king, he's king, he's king. Now he's a different kind of king because Jesus was the fullness of the king in bodily form. But he didn't act like kings act down here. He didn't act like presidents act down here. He didn't act like some preachers act down here. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve and give my life away as a ransom for many. He's a king that serves. He's a king that walks. He's a king that works with us. He's a king that guides us. He's a king that befriends us. He's a king that converses with us. He's a king that counsels with us. The scripture says, I want you to seek first the king in his realm, his domain. I want you to rehearse that there's a king roaming the streets of Los Angeles. There's a king above all kings. There's a president above all presidents. There is an omnipotent one, and he is never not in control.
The earth is the Lord's church home and the fullness thereof. There is not one aspect of this domain that is not under his rule, his control, his lordship, and his determination, and his direction. The Bible says the heart of a king is in his hands, for he is the king of all kings. He lifts one up and puts down another. There is nothing on earth that has ever shocked God or made God gasp. He knows the end from the beginning. There is a king. The king is not coming. The king is here. And he has a realm where he lives, and that realm is far more important and more real and lasting than this realm. And he seeks by mystery and relationship to invade this realm via relationship with the centerpiece of this realm, which is the human being. And he wants partnership. And you know when he wants it? Just today. Just today. Just today. Just today. So I want you to think about the king. But then it says, and I'm, I'm almost done. Then it says, and the righteousness that proceeds from him. This word righteousness speaks to the gift that has been given because of what Jesus did on the cross. I'm going to say it again. 2 Corinthians 5.21 has been a big part of shaping the mentality and the perspective of this community. For it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become. We might become. Became and become might be the two most important words in our faith. Became and become. Jesus became so you could become. Jesus became sin so that you could become righteousness. Righteousness speaks to your standing in your relationship with God. It means you are perpetually, eternally, and continually in a right relationship. Now, all of you have had enough relationships here on earth to know when your relationship is right, there's nothing like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I can endure anything if I'm right with my wife. If she loves me and believes in me, I can I tell you right this second, I can jump through a wall I can jump through. I think I can jump over a wall. I can run through a wall. Right? I could just, I feel like I can do anything when we're right. I got good news. Sometimes Chelsea and I aren't right, but I got good news. Jesus and I are always right. He accomplished that. So I don't wake up any days and wonder if he's mad at me because that's not what I'm supposed to focus on because I know I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means every day what God wants me to think about, which evidently will help me stay present, will help me live here, is that God wants me to wake up and remember that he's a king and that he's powerful. And that king I have a relationship with and it's always good and it's always right. And he's always proud of me. And his face is constantly shining upon me. And so we're like, that's not possible. That's why it's called the gospel. It's the goodest news in the world. Because there's not a single other relationship that you can say this about. I'm always right with God. That might be the difference between me and you. You might still think you're not right with God sometimes. And you think your performance outdoes Jesus' performance. 
And this is what happens today. We got preachers who are well-meaning and we got Christians who are well-meaning and they are accepting something that is false. Therefore, they can't live in today and they're full of anxiety, fear, and worry. And I present before you again, church home, which I have done a multiplicity of times, and that is why are Christians just as anxious and fearful and worried as everybody else on the planet? Because we still think our relationship with God is based on our performance. And your relationship with God is based on Jesus' performance. And I want to remind you the sixth thing he said on the cross was, it is finished. You hear me? How bad is it? You're still right with God. How dumb have you been? You're still right with God. How bad was the decision? You're still right with God. I got good news. The king of all kings, the leaders of all leaders, you are still in right relationship with him. And so tomorrow morning, you wake up on a Thursday. I want you to inform your Thursday of who you are. You got a seat at the king's table. You're a part of the king's court. You're a part of the king's family. And you're accepted. And you're righteous. And you're loved. And you're his. Listen to this statement. God is here today by choice. I'm so serious right now. Will you just sink into this just for a second? Pretend it's like a big, massive, amazing hot tub, but like sink into this. God is here today by choice. And it just hit me. I think it was yesterday. I was like, oh my goodness. You have put yourself in the confines of the rhythm that is for us. It's not for you. You don't need a day, but you made the day for me. And then you stepped in to the space I needed called sunrise, sunset, sun, moon, stars. And you've met me today. I'm like, who are you, man? Why are you restricting yourself to today? Because that's how much I love you. Come on, church. You think God is in heaven going, hey, put that down for next Friday. Hey, Michael, write us in. Let's do that. Let's do that in May, Michael. There's no. One old preacher told me, and I believe it. He said, when we get to eternity, we'll all arrive basically at the same time. Some of you, you have loved ones who died 80 years ago. But when we all get to eternity, I think it'll, you'll be like eight seconds behind them. And I only say that because there won't be seconds, so that's, inc that's incredulous and ridiculous and it's not possible. But my point is, it's not like in the other realm. It's not like down here. Time doesn't tick like this. It doesn't work like that. So I think we're all like, I hope my grandpa can see me. I think you might be with your grandpa. Is that freaking anybody out? I don't think your grandpa's in heaven going, been up here 80 years. Sure like to meet my granddaughter. I think your grandpa's like, yo, girl, you got here right when I did. And you're like, grandpa, you look young. Oh, we're all about 25 up here. You know, like, I don't know. I made that up. But whatever's your favorite year. What is this God, what is this God doing, man? Why does he keep caring about my day? Do you mean the God of the universe cares about Judah's Thursday? 
get out of town, man. Like, don't, please don't. We need you. But am I the only one that sees the depth, the width, the height, and the length of his love? That he built a construct called Thursday? And he's like, hey, son, we're just going to do Thursday. Because you're really overwhelmed, aren't you? Yeah. We're going to do today. Now take the step with me. Okay, but can I ask you something? Do you think it's going to be, is the summer going to be really fun? Because I really need a good summer. We're not, it's, it's springtime, so we're not going to live in the summertime. We're going to live in the springtime. Um, this has to start changing how we live, doesn't it? This has to change things we're setting in our day, to, to, doesn't it? I don't mean to be weird, but like I want to build a community together where Jesus can interrupt our regularly scheduled programs. And he can just say, we're not going to do that today. But that's on my schedule. I know. So I need to do my schedule. I'm American. God's like, nah. Nah, I want you to cancel everything. Christians canceling appointments? That is not Christian. And I want you to, I want you to take this $100 bill and I want you to walk down the street. And I'm going to show you who you are. I want you to give this $100 bill to. Okay? I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about being in love, man. What if we let God lead tonight? Tonight. You know, if you get in your car and maybe you get the impetus to like just go home and not go out tonight, here's what I'd say. Just ask God real quick. Hey, God, what do you want me to do tonight? And if you don't get an answer, have a great night. And don't get in your head about it. But maybe, just maybe, you might get a strong sense that you're supposed to go home or you're supposed to go out. And maybe, just maybe, wherever you go and whatever you do, you can go with God. <laughs> I'm so serious. Like, am I trying to produce a church full of weirdos? I don't know. Why aren't we working with God? I was playing golf today, and I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I beat my friend Tyler, and I beat Jed. Wait a minute. No, I didn't. They beat me. I forgot. But the point is, even during golf today, I was like, God, it's so cool to be out here with you, man. I just love being with you. Thank you for this Wednesday. And I looked at Chelsea. There's a lot of stuff been going on, man. It's been hard. It's been wild. And Chelsea and I just been, my wife and I, we didn't look at each other going like, we can do today. We can do today. And then I realized I was only ever supposed to do today. When did just doing today become a sign of weakness? It's a sign of strength. I'm just going to do today. So no offense. I'm just going to live 8.39 p.m. 
on Wednesday night. That's what I'm going to do. It's going to be here. And so I, I invite you into these moments with one of my friends, all of my friends, minus the Steeler sweatshirt. But I think the point is, I love the person, not the sweatshirt. What if we were just here for the next few minutes and nowhere else? But I think God could heal your brain tonight. I'm being so serious. God could meet you in the only moment you have and just start to heal you, give you confidence you, you seemingly can't find right now, giving you assurance that's been elusive. We could just be here. It's an invitation, not a commandment, not even a request. It's just an invitation to whoever is courageous enough to put everything else out of your mind. Even what you're going to do later, what you did earlier, or where you're going to be tomorrow. And just be here. I love that verse and I'm done. Be still. And know you are not God. I am. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Close your eyes just for a moment. Today. We recognize you, the God of today. You are the God of today. You are the God of now. And we have never needed you more than we need you right now. 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 Some of you came with deep questions and God wants to meet you and answer you with his presence. Some of you were looking for a reply from God, but what he wants to give you is his presence and his love. He's going to minister to your brain and your body. Some of you, God's going to do inexplicable things that you cannot even put into words. He's just going to start doing it in your bloodstream, in your organs, in your soul, in your spirit. God can do that for you. God can do anything, you know. God can do a miracle in your brain. God can do a miracle in your body. God can heal cancer. God can heal diseases. God can reverse a diagnosis. God can change the challenges and the insecurities and the fears and the anxieties and the worries. God can do anything, you know. So let's be the kind of church that believes that in moments like these, everything can change. God can change everything in a moment. Everything in a moment. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just with your eyes closed, just for a moment. With your eyes closed, just for a moment. If you're here and you say, Judah, I would like to receive Jesus as my superhero. I'd like to receive Jesus as my savior. I'd like to receive Jesus as God. I want to walk with Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to know the King. I want to know the God of today. I want to receive his once and for all sacrifice. I want to accept that he became sin so that I can become right with God. I want that in my life. You don't earn it, friend. You don't deserve it. You don't have to ascend many Mentally, you just simply receive it, believe it, accept it. If you'd like to believe it, receive it, and accept it, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. You know who you are. One, two, three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up and say, I believe. 
I receive. Thank you. I believe. I receive. Thank you. Jesus, we thank you so much for your saving power. We thank you so much that you save completely. You save totally. You save entirely. And we honor you and we worship you and we want to say what a privilege and an honor it is to be here with you, to be in the now with you, the God of the now, the God of today, the present, our ever-present help in time of need. You are Emmanuel and you are God with us.